1: Back on the air after a couple weeks. Um, I hope everybody is having a great October already. Um, pretty funny to think, but I think with how hot this summer was, that kind of fast forwarded through it. I know a lot of people are kind of tripped out by the fact that it's October, you know, already, and it seems like time has really flown this year. Um, but like it or not, time is going by the exact same speed just our perception that changes, and that takes us into our quote as we start with every time, the measure of intelligence is the ability to change, and part of my argument around this quote is how we deal with the changes that are happening to us whether we like it or not, and Einstein, I think, is referring to the changes that are going to make us better and they're not necessarily just the things that are just changing in our bodies no matter what. It's to say, how am I going to improve and change rather than just being the same person year over year over year? Because the the reality is that that's how we stay the same is just doing the same thing. And if we say, like, this is where I'm at and I want to be different, but then we don't do anything different. We just keep doing the same things over and over again. That's what Einstein considers stupidity. That's stupid. That's dumb. And doesn't mean that you have to be figuring out the quantum theory of gravity, which is really the main challenge they have in in physics right now, is they're trying to figure out exactly how the theory of gravity um, conflates with everything else at the quantum level. And I'm sure I could have a very, very much more educational discussion with somebody familiar with the topic. But long story short, you don't have to be working in that field to be a smart person. Einstein thinks that if you're going to be smart, if you're going to be facing change intelligently by your ability to face it in a positive manner. If you're going to face the reality of there's a changes you don't control and you know that there are things that you can control that you can change, to make an impact on, and you're not just a victim of the things outside of your control. Um, I want to get into the discussion of the circle of control from Stephen Covey. And in case you have not read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, when applied and interpreted correctly, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey is hands down the most important self-help book out there, in my opinion. Because once you start really applying those principles and thinking about them on a regular basis, you start to see that all these other books out there and all the stuff you see in mainstream media like TV shows and movies all comes down to one of these seven principles. And when we talk about the circle of control, we're talking about the portion of things in our lives that we actually have true control over. And one of those things is how we respond to what happens that we're not in control of. You know, you don't have to respond with anger to something that usually angers the average person. You've got this space between the stimulus and the response to respond in the way that you truly want And I think one of the biggest tricks there is to actually take that time, which is probably not going to be a second or two. It's probably going to be more like five or 10 seconds when something very radical happens or maybe even more. You know, if you've got somebody that you love and care about and they've just said something incredibly insulting to you that you never thought they'd ever say, your first instinct is going to be to say something very, very harsh and irrational back. You might need to take a step back and take five to ten minutes or more to respond to that and really understand where their what they said to you came from um, for better and for worse. It's not to validate what they said, but it is to say, this is the understanding I have of this. This is the understanding I have of their anger or frustration or whatever's going on with them, and therefore I'm going to approach this after thinking about it for a reasonable amount of time with a more level-headed mind. And then beyond the circle of control is the circle of influence. The circle of influence at the end of the day, and I think people kind of miss this one and misinterpret this one in a pretty egregious manners in certain examples, but these are things that you have some control over. Doesn't mean you have full control over it at all, because it's in your influence. It's not in your full control circle. But you have influence over these things. And influence can constitute your family. It constitutes your kids. It constitutes your wife. It constitutes your coworkers, and it constitutes the company that you have and own. It constitutes your business. It constitutes mainly people in your life. I think a lot of people have learned the hard way in their lives that you cannot control other people. That's not possible. You do not have full control over anybody. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter how brainwashed you've made them. It doesn't matter if you have been a complete totalitarian jerk for, la- for avoiding the use of expletives and you've decided to create this entire empire that supposedly everybody is in, in line with, like Nazi Germany, like someone like Adolf Hitler was trying to control people. Someone like Joseph Stalin was trying to control people. Someone like Mao Zedong was trying to control people. And as it turns out, even in those types of countries, under those types of governments, you don't control anybody. But that being said, you do have some influence. And what happens with a lot of people, and I see this mistake done pretty often, is that they completely ignore the stuff in their circle of influence. They say, it's not in my circle of control. I don't have complete control over it. Therefore, I can't do anything about what's in my circle of influence. Therefore, I'm going to ignore everything in my circle of influence. How well do you think people are living that are not taking care of their circle of influence too? They're just saying, oh, I don't have 100% control over it. I can afford to not pay attention to that. I can afford not to pay attention to my kids, to not develop a significant emotional connection, and just leave them up in their room to play video games all the time. I don't need to develop a significant connection with my wife. I've got my control, so why should I worry about what other people are doing? We're going to keep going into the circle of control and circle of influence and the circle of non-control, Once we get back, folks, this is a Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. Y'all stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wednesday Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. And we've been going over the circle of concern, the circle of influence, and we're going to go into detail too with the circle. Um, Got them all mixed up for a second, but you know where I'm going with this. We've got the circle of concern, circle of influence, and the circle of control, with the circle of concern being on the outside. There we go. Circle of influence in the middle. And then circle of control right there in the center. So as you can no doubt hear, we've got the test going on for the emergency alert nationwide. Um, I'm sure everybody's getting that text right about now. So when we're talking about the circle of concern, we're thinking about things like, what just happened right now? Um, I saw a post where somebody was saying, make sure your phone is turned off. Um, right around 1.15, well, 1.20, one one nineteen, to be exact right now um, because they're going to be sending out a signal that's going to activate the nanomachines in your COVID vaccine and then you're going to turn into a zombie. Um, the biggest problem with conspiracy theories like this is that it has a very, very, very dark and low opinion of other people. Because if you literally have such a grim and sad view of the world, like you literally think that this is what all these other people are doing um, to mess up your life, like that sucks um, to be that paranoid and to be that worried. And that is definitely not to say that there are not times when you do need to pay attention and be worried. The issue is that the priority is skewed. You know, this is somebody that's worried about what's happening on the news and worried about UAPs, UFOs, as they used to be known as. And then they're worried about vaccines, thinking that the, the whole vaccine thing was just a big scam to begin with. Are these the same people that are looking at the world in a positive way and making a difference? and taking care of themselves financially? Usually not. Um, People that have this very negative mindset and outlook are typically sticking to themselves, huddling in place, not getting engaged with others, and as a result, have a very suffering type of lifestyle. Um, That's a whole separate discussion, but you don't have control of if the government is going to send out a notification like this. Sorry, but you don't. So if you're going to be worried about the government sending out a notification, then you're spending your time in the circle of concern. You're spending energy on something you have absolutely no control over. And unless you're a politician, you probably don't have any influence over this. You could have influence if you wanted to change the laws and change the rules and make it to where they didn't do that, or make it to where they didn't do a whole bunch of stuff. But... For the most part, that sort of thing is not in your control. This also includes stuff like the weather. Um, I don't control, nor do you control the fact that summer 2023 was extremely hot. And it's been the hottest summer that we've ever recorded. But no, everything's fine, everybody. That's no big deal. Next summer will be totally cool and then back to normal, um, I suppose. Obviously, I'm being very sarcastic with that one. You don't control the weather. You don't control how hot this weather is going to be. You don't control if it's going to be raining outside like it is right now. But people worry about the weather. They worry about world events. They spend their brain energy on past mistakes or the past mistakes of others. I mean, if you think about the way that people beat each other up in relationships, you know, you don't like something that your partner did in the past and you're holding that against them at every possible moment. Every single time you look at them, think about them, you hold this thing against them. That had nothing to do with you. That happened before they even knew you existed. It's like, wha- what do you want? Obviously, you'd want to have met them sooner since you love them so much, but don't make your love for somebody else cause you to lose sight of what that love is really supposed to mean, which means true understanding and getting over the stuff that you probably did many of the same things of yourself. And obviously, I think everybody needs to know and be reminded sometimes that a lot of the stuff that I say and learn from is stuff that I personally experience, and that does not mean I've got it 100% under control by any means. But this is stuff that I'm thinking about. And this is stuff that I'm working my butt off to apply. So I don't make these same types of mistakes again, or there are certain things and certain mistakes I don't want to ever make that so far so good I have avoided. But being a human being is a work in progress. And I I definitely just want to talk about the fact that I'm not a perfect person. I'm not trying to come up here and tell everybody what to do like I'm a perfect human being because that is not true at all. I've got a ton of flaws and I'm working my best to make sure that I work on them rather than just be a victim of them. So continuing with this, my big issue with the interpretation of how we've got the circle of concern, influence, and control is that... As I mentioned, we've got a lot of folks who try to take this principled stand and say, well, I know what's in the circle of control. I've got my attitude. I've got my fitness, decisions, work ethic, words, thoughts, and then the react or respond that we discussed. But then they proceed to ignore their children, their employees, relatives, their employment, the diseases that they suffer from, their reputation, their promotions that they get, who loves me, and asking for help, you know, they sort of withdraw and say, well, these are the things that I'm in control of, therefore all this other stuff I can safely ignore. One of the challenges I see with the principal book like Seven Habits is that each one can be a double-edged sword when it's interpreted incorrectly. Because you can totally take any of these principles and twist it in a way that ostensibly sounds like the correct usage of the principle, but in reality is not the correct use. It's not what Stephen Covey really meant. And it's really just an elaborate way for you to validate your existing BS. So... When I think about these folks that are completely ignoring their circle of influence, I'm seeing them misinterpreting the control that is available in the circle of influence. Because how can somebody say as a parent of a child, you don't have any responsibility? So let's take a step back with that. Is it really about control or is it about responsibility? If you're going to ignore your responsibility for the things in the circle of influence, does that mean you're going to be free from the consequences of you ignoring them? Absolutely not. Because as it turns out, if you ignore your kids, if you ignore your spouse, if you ignore your boss, if you ignore the fact that you have a reputation, you start to pay penalties for this ignorance. Because then 10, 20 years later down the line, you're wondering, well, why doesn't my son or daughter like to hang out with me? Why don't my kids want to visit me? Why don't they call or text? Or why does my spouse not like me? Why do they seem to be always in a bad mood when I come around? Or why are they much quieter and less of who they really are when I'm around. Or your reputation. You cannot pretend like you don't have a reputation. You cannot pretend like just because you don't care what other people think, that there aren't consequences for how other people are going to treat you. This is another interpretation that comes out of this because when we talk about people that don't give a crap about what other people think, That's kind of on a personal level, but they're still aware of the fact that that business that they have that revolves around them, having this image of not caring what other people think, is going to have consequences if they start to change that image. And if you don't care what somebody thinks and you just do something bad to somebody else, you're not immune from the consequences of being punished for those actions. If we're talking about a straight-up crime, and obviously that's a very extreme, ridiculous example for a lot of us who don't commit crimes at all, but that's how far that can go. That's what a lot of people say in different ways whenever they get to that point. They, they're not, they don't care what other people feel. They don't care that other people have private property. It's, it was there. They had the opportunity to take something and they took it. But then there's consequences for this. It doesn't matter who you are, what you believe, but nobody is free from the consequences of their actions. Everything that you do, everything that you say is going to have a reaction. Straight out of Newton's laws, thermodynamics. It's not, Maybe it's not strictly an equal opposite reaction, but there's going to be a reaction to everything that you do. And just because that reaction is not within your control does not mean those consequences aren't going to affect you. If you're trying to build up a certain type of life and you're going to ignore all of this stuff in your influence, you're going to end up in a place where you've lost control. The control that you had and the opportunity with your responsibility and the influence is gone now. But you just keep quoting the fact that it wasn't in your control. I wasn't fully in control, and therefore I, I could ignore it. If you can sleep at night with that, good for you. But for the rest of us, take responsibility for your circle of influence and take it seriously. We're at the halfway point with the TWA radio show, folks. We'll be right back after the break. Stay tuned. All right, everybody, we are back to halfway point TWA radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, and we are going to get into the stock market updates. And I'm just sad to say that it's all bad now. um, And it's always a matter of if, of when, not if the stock market is going to change for the worse. Because we've seen basically across the board this year, only a couple exceptions that it's been going up, and then it kind of slowed down for a while, and now now we're at, we're, we're going down in, in terms of what I've seen so far this year um, again. So as always, I do the year to date, and I'm sure there's stock people out there that would say, oh, that's just, that's too simple. That's an oversimplification. You're not looking at the way you can short stocks and short-term hold and this, that, and the other. You know, okay, whatever. If you're making a lot of money and you're a multimillionaire stock investor, I'm not gonna argue with you. But if you aren't, I am gonna argue with you. Because Dow Jones is at negative 4% year to date. So with the losses from last year, it's at over negative nine percent. That's not making you money. Again, the average investor is keeping their money in the stock market for the long haul because they're they have a four hundred one k or IRA and they're not actually buying the stocks themselves. It's just in the retirement account using companies in the S and P, the Dow Jones, and the Nasdaq, and others that aren't necessarily in these stock indices. So the S&P is at a 11.53 gain year to date so with last year's losses it's at a loss of 6.58%. <clears throat> and after the couple the, the couple bits of time I'm actually right there back at the beginning of August when Nasdaq had enough gains to actually provide something you know noteworthy. NASDAQ gain is now down to 33.14% this year. So with last year's losses of negative 32.97%, it's only giving people 0.17%. And when inflation right now is right around 3%, that doesn't beat inflation. So your money is still losing its value. And everybody's money is still losing value based on inflation rates, of course. But the whole purpose of investment is not for fun, it's to beat inflation and to get income that doesn't require you to be at work for 40, 50 hours a week for 40, 50 years of your life. So this is bad across the board. And as always, I've shown you the times whenever it was a little bit better, I never I don't skip out on the stock stuff if it makes stocks look, you know, a little bit good, all things considered. Obviously, we're stock bashers because we are in real estate. Um, We understand the volatility of it or we're convinced of it. We see it. We don't like that volatility. We'd rather do something like real estate, which is more stable, holds its value better. And... Um, I get a question a lot from a lot of people, and, and it's almost always from people that are in the stock market, or they're very much in the stock mind. And they say, you know, well, real estate went down in value in 2008 and nine, or it was really, really hard for people to rent their properties during COVID, and The first thing is that if your property actually did manage to go down in value, which is a very tricky thing to even happen, and it's extremely rare in our country, but what does that matter when you're holding on to it? Is it going to stay down? Is that how this works? No. The value of real estate is not static. It tends to go up. Over time, significantly, virtually all the time. So when you have this blip, when it goes down, are you going to turn around and sell it? Probably not, if you've got any sense. Because why would you do that? Why would you sell something for a loss? Not to be offensive to stock people, but I think that's probably why they're familiar with the concept. Don't sell stuff For a loss. That's not normal. That's not right. That's not what you're supposed to be doing with your money. So if you see something drop in value, God forbid, you don't just sell it. You're not in a position where you have to sell it. Because what happens in these down markets? Do more people have better jobs and buy more houses themselves to live in personally? Well... Usually not as much, even though it's still happening. You have all these people that become renters because they have pay cuts or they get laid off. It sucks, it's brutal, but that's part of a recession. So rent collections don't even go down during recessions. They tend to stay the same or they tend to go up a little bit. And then when we talked about covid which is another extreme hypothetical, but it, but it's like, okay, it happened. COVID happened. And, you know, these people want to take it more seriously about the context of getting into real estate or not, and they take it seriously then, but they didn't want to take any health precautions for COVID and ended up getting it a couple times or spreading it like crazy because they were the ones that pretended like, oh, it was just some sort of conspiracy, this, that, and the other, or it wasn't that dangerous. Like, Right. COVID's killed over a million Americans, so a million people in our country alone. Like, okay, yeah, that, that's definitely not something serious to take. But there was that rule that you couldn't evict somebody if they proved that they got laid off from COVID. But what happened was that that was pretty extraordinarily uncommon for people to actually use that. And when people did use it, were they off the hook for their rent? No, they were not off the hook for their rent. So if they owed X amount after certain amount of months of deference, they still owe that. That's going to be on their credit. That's what's owed to you. But the idea that everybody lost their job during COVID and every single person in an apartment complex was on deferred rent because of COVID did not happen. And yes, COVID was a challenge for everybody, but the idea that the real estate world collapsed and landlords completely collapsed across the board is not accurate. So if it's able to do that well during COVID and during something like the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009, if this asset can perform well during these downtimes, wouldn't you be interested in getting a little bit of it? You don't have to just stick with the ups and downs of the stock market. You don't have to just hope it goes up. You bought it low. You know, you tapped in, as I always talk about, you tapped into whatever knowledge of the stock market you're illegally allowed to take part in. As a, you know, quote unquote, regular American citizen, you don't get that insider knowledge. You're not privy to the backroom dealings of Wall Street, where, you know, by, just by massive coincidence, you have these multi-million, multi-billionaire investors that somehow just always know the best times to buy and sell stocks. You know, I think in that case, you should know that there is something going on. And that doesn't have to be called a conspiracy, that just has to be called, well, this is people in the know taking advantage of what they know. But you watch the news every day, that information on the news is outside of your control, the stock market is outside of your control. It's in the circle of concern. Whereas many parts of real estate are actually within your control. At the very minimum, your real estate is in your circle of influence. I mean, if you are actually capable of holding on to this piece of real estate and managing it, this isn't just a matter of the stock market going up and down. This is a matter of you taking responsibility for this property as a landlord and saying, I'm going to manage this property like this. I am going to be on top of collecting rent like this. I'm going to communicate with my tenants like this. I'm going to... streamline the application process and do it the most fast and efficient way possible without skipping any steps. I'm going to be fair. I'm going to follow fair housing. I'm going to thoroughly background check everybody that comes into my properties. I'm going to be a little bit of a bear up front to scare away the people that are trying to take advantage of bad landlords because there's a ton of renters out there like that. You got to be ahead give you a heads up about that. Gotta keep your head on a swivel and make sure that you're getting the best possible folks into your property. And then when they move in, as we talk about a lot, the bear becomes the bunny and you become super nice and you become managing the tenant well mode. You're the landlord that always responds promptly, that is polite but firm about when rent is due and is polite but firm when rent is maybe a day late don't play around with that be direct go for it tell them that they owe you money and get the rent paid don't ever shy away from getting your rent don't make that mistake we'll be right back to the final segment of the twa radio show i'm your host trevor davis So, difference between circle of control, circle of influence, and the concern that we've been going over this show is very evident in the different types of investments out there. And surprise, surprise, like, oh boy, here he goes again about real estate. But that's going to give you much more control and influence. And I just love the dichotomy that I've talked about twice so far, and I'll do it a third time if you've been following along with this, but you've got these people that say, and this is a different example, of course, but you're talking about, in this scenario, people that say, oh, I want control. I'm a control freak. I absolutely have to be in control of everything. And then they're turning around and investing their money in the stock market. You're not a control freak. Your literal money is being At the complete mercy of the stock market, you have no control over it basically (laughs) whatsoever. But you're saying you're a control freak. No, you're probably just a control freak about a couple petty small things like, oh, I need the mayonnaise in the fridge on this shelf and the ketchup on this one, or I need my toothbrush exactly in line with the sink in this way, or I need you to do this exactly this way. You know, but you're not a real control freak. If you're a real control freak, you know, you'd want control over everything. And I would say you'd want more control of the things that are truly important. Because in the way our economy works, a cash money based economy, you can't have control of your money. But the American way has become skewed from the principles that our country was founded on. And oh boy, this is one of those hills that I can fight on for the rest of my life. And I'm not trying to turn it into a super political discussion. But nowadays, people's financial positions are founded on lack of control. Because people are defining their finances on someone else's control. Because when you are looking at a job, a J-O-B, if you collect a W-2 income like the vast majority of Americans, it's because you are using your time working for somebody else's business. They give you a wage that is a fraction of the value you actually provide to the company. That's a fact no matter what side of the political spectrum you want to consider yourself. That's how that works. And when you're in the control of somebody else's business, this isn't a business you can control. You can have some influence. I'm not going to deny that. But can they lay you off at basically any time? Absolutely. And that will state like Texas. If the stock market goes down at your big company, and you work at a place like Microsoft. I talked to somebody recently that is, was a senior software developer at Microsoft. Got laid off in those layoffs you probably heard about in the news earlier this year, around February, March, and you know went from I don't know somewhere close to two hundred thousand dollars probably a year or more to zero you're not in control. Stock market isn't in your control either. And people are putting their financial retirement plan into 401ks and IRAs. Do you control where your stock moves in those regular IRAs and 401ks? Absolutely not. You don't control that at all. You can control the amount you put into it because if you get a match, And that 6% match, you can put up to 6% of what you earn with the company and they do 100% match is a big deal for a lot of people. And that's still on the higher side, apparently, because I always ask this question during the free sample class. You know, why do you think that is going to be adequate? Because if you're going to be making $100,000 a year and you put in 6,000, they match, and then it becomes 12,000. You know, okay, that, that's still because you, you're, you're putting your own money into that. So by 100% matching 6%, you're, you're making a 6% rate of return. AKA, that's exactly what the stock market average has been, anyway, over the last 78 years since 1945. So that's not, that's not great either. And then the worst is when we become dependent on the government for our retirement in general, when we have the Social Security check being your main source of income or your exclusive source of income. And then you're on the medical programs, Medicare and Medicaid, um, because your medical bills now are very, very high because you're older. Um, let's just get a very brutal point down. Most Americans have not taken care of their bodies. They're age 65. They've got many different health conditions to deal with. That's what happens when you don't exercise and you eat fast food every day and drink soda every day. You know, here we are again. You can make your decisions. You can say you don't give a flying F about what other people think and you just want to do what you want to do, congratulations, but you're not going to be free from the consequences of whatever it is you said you didn't give a flying F about. You're not going to be getting away with the consequences of your actions, whether you care what other people think or not. So medical bills have gone up, you've got Social Security, and now all your medical stuff is dependent on the government. The handout that has come from the financial contributions of people that were more financially responsible than you, because that's why it's a, that's why it's considered a handout. You know, the taxes that come from people that make way more than you are going to not really be paying their bills because they're going to have the money to pay it themselves. It goes to people that were not financially responsible. That's how a program like that works. But we also have to consider the fact that a whole lot of people don't even make it to the social security point. Everybody doesn't survive to age 65. I just heard about someone recently that passed away. And I'm still shocked right now after hearing about this. But when you don't make it to age 65, you don't ever get any. You don't get your money back. You don't get your social security that you paid into back. You passed away. You don't get what you paid into these systems. That doesn't go away from the government, though. That's also how they finance it for the people that make it to sixty-five, seventy. It's a death contract, in a way. So this is the American way now. This is why I'm pissed off. Because we have. Americans across the board, every state, everywhere, of all sorts of different income levels, not truly taking advantage of the American system. To say, these are the principles that we founded on with the Constitution. This is what we stand for. We've built the biggest economy on the face of the planet in human history. And... It looks like it's going to stay that way for the foreseeable future due to population issues in China, um, due to many economic challenges and issues in India. And I bring up those two countries because their populations are way larger than us. And India, just a couple months ago, passed China in population at well over 1.4 billion people, which is insane to think about. But. We have created the biggest economy on the planet, but we also have people that do not know how to use the system. We have people that are not taking advantage of the opportunity of being an American citizen in the richest economy on the planet, and they've become dependent on the circle of concern instead. They're not taking part in their circle of control. They're not even taking part in their circle of influence. They've given everything up, They've become completely docile. They just want somebody else to do all the leading. I'm down for being a leader, but I'm not down for leading people that cannot lead themselves. Every single person has to take responsibility for where they're at. Every single person needs to identify the fact that there are truly things in their control that they can always control. There are certain things in the circle of concern that they can never control, and there's all the things in the circle of concern you can't control, and then there are certain things in the circle of influence that you can control to a certain degree. Not always, not in every situation, but there are certain parts that you can control, you can affect, you can influence, you can make a difference on, and in many of those situations you are very much responsible for if not completely responsible for in the circle of influence when it comes to something like your kids or your family. So folks, think about what's going on right now in your life. What's in your circle of concern? What's in your circle of influence? And what's in your circle of control? Identify them very specifically and take responsibility for basically all of it. Folks, I will be back next Wednesday. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. Y'all have a great rest of your week and I will see y'all next week.